As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see this message. Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner. Hey, friends. Welcome. I'm so glad that you're with us. And you know, Denise and Joel, we have many, many people that are with us every single day for Home Group. And one family has been writing to me that are old, old friends of mine and Denise's, Roy and Barbara Beebe. And Barbara wrote to me and said, you know, Home Group is really good, but it's a lot more attractive when Denise is there. So Barbara, Denise is finally back. Hey, Denise. Hi, Barbara. I'm so glad to be back on Home Group. And to all of you that are with us, welcome. And Joe, we're glad that you're here. Thank you. And I'm glad that the Lord is with us. And we're going to have a good Home Group tonight. We are. It's going to really be good. This entire week, we're going to talk about how to intercede for people that you love who are in trouble. But I want you to notice again, all these things that are on the floor in front of us, these are just samples of what we're distributing. And my friends, we're distributing so much because of you. Your gifts are really making a difference. And everything that you've been given for this really goes for this. We're helping people in the East, people in the West, people everywhere that have been scattered. And you know, our arms are supposed to wrap around everybody. And that's what we're doing. And we're providing them also with a Bible, a book about how to get saved, and the 91st Psalm, because these people really need to live in the shadow of the 91st Psalm. And because of what you're doing, doing with us, and because we're really here. I mean, we're on site. In fact, right now, our teams are on site. I just asked somebody, how's your husband? She said, well, he's not here. He's, he's out delivering humanitarian relief. When they go, they go for weeks at a time, and they don't come back until they've distributed as much as possible. So there's all kinds of giving taking place. You're giving, our focus, our attention, people that are on the ground, we're all giving what we can give to help people who really are in need. And if you've already participated, I wanna say thank you. If you have not, but you want to, just go to our website and you'll see on the homepage a place where you can click and go to find out what you can do to help displaced people. But, hey, I also need to mention that right now, this week, I'm teaching this series called How to Intercede for People Who Are in Trouble. And it comes, of course, with a study guide. And we're also offering Denise's book, The Gift of Forgiveness. But right now, the study guide is free. If you'll just go online, you can just download it. It'll be yours right now. Amen? Amen. Rick, I've gotten so many testimonies about that tiny little book. You know, look at this. It's a little bitty book. But I'm telling you, this is really a powerful book. There have been so many people written and said, I had this unforgiveness towards this person for a long, long time. And I read that book and God spoke to my heart and I'm free and we have a relationship together. And uh, it's the power of God's word and it's my testimony. So God says that when we give our testimony, that it defeats the devil. So maybe that book is for somebody you know, or maybe for you. I need you to lay hands on me and pray that I can write a book this size. Now, Rick, <laughs> that would really be amazing. It would be a miracle because my books keep growing. <laughs> but hey, reach for your Bibles. And today we're going to go to Genesis chapter 12. And we're going to talk about Abraham and Lot. In Genesis chapter 12, we have the story of whenever God called 
Abram and Sarai. That was their names at that time. And they left where they were and they followed God. But they didn't quite do it right. God told them to come alone. And guys, you know, sometimes when we begin our walk of faith, we try, but we stumble, we trip, we make mistakes. But the important thing is that we get started. Even if we don't do it right, at least we're trying. Well, I really believe that Abraham was trying. But God told him, leave everybody. I just want you and your wife to come by yourself. Well, he brought his father. He brought his nephew, Lot. He brought all of his servants. He brought all of his father's servants. He brought all of Lot's servants. And most scholars believe that whenever Abram and Sarah left, or of the Chaldees, rather than leaving two of them, they left probably with about 2,500 people, if you include all the servants. And I can understand why Abram did it. His father was old, and his father was a legend. He could have thought, well, I want to do what God's telling me, but God really couldn't mean for me to leave my dad. So I'm going to take our dad along with him. Well, I couldn't really leave my lot because I'm his adopted father. He's my adopted son. His brother died, so I became his dad. God wouldn't really want me to do that. So he rationalized what he should do. And Denise, really, praise the Lord, we've not made many mistakes in our ministry. But usually when we have, it's because we rationalize what the Lord meant rather than just accept what he said. Sometimes you just got to do what he says. But he brought Lot along with them. And here's what I want you to see. When Abram and Sarah left Ur of the Chaldees, Lot was with them. And here's what it means. Lot took every step of faith that Abram took. Isn't that amazing? So you can't say he was ignorant of faith. He was on the same caravan that Abraham was on. When they came down to Haran, they camped there for five years. Lot was there the whole time, right at his uncle's side. When they came into the land and they saw that there, were, there was a famine in the land, he was there. When Abram and Sarah said, hey, we can't stay here because we don't have enough food to feed all these mouths we brought, they had to go over into Egypt. Guess what? Lot was there. When Abram came back into the land of promise and saw the giants, and Abram was so alarmed by the giants that he said, hey, we need to build an altar and we need to dedicate ourselves to God and call upon his name. And Abram began to collect the stones. Guess who helped him collect the stones? Lot. Lot was there every step of the way. In fact, let's look at verse 6. Genesis chapter 12, verse 6. And Abram passed through the land under the place of Shechem, under the plain of Moriah, and the Canaanite was then in the land. Of course, those are the giants. And verse 7 says, And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. God showed up in a critical moment. But my friends, Lot was there with him, experiencing God's provision, God's protection, God's presence. He was there. But as we've seen, when they got into the land of promise, Genesis 12 verse 10 says, there was a grievous, grievous famine. And because Abram didn't come, just him and his wife, like the Lord said, they couldn't stay there. You know, Denise, if they had just come, the two of them, they could have stayed there. They could have stayed on track, but they brought 2,500 people. There wasn't enough food to feed all these folks. And so because they weren't exactly accurate, they had to go out of the will of God and go over to find food to feed these folks. And on that little rendezvous into Egypt is when they picked up Hagar, which, of course, 
eventually resulted in another problem. You know, such an amazing story. But when you get to uh, Genesis chapter 13, verse 5, it says, And Lot also which went with Abram had flocks and herds and tents. By this time they're going back into the land of promise. And verse 6 and 7 tells us this created a crisis. And the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together for their substance was great so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdsmen of Abram's cattle and the herdsmen of Lot's cattle and the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. Well, if Abram had come alone, there would have been enough for him and his wife and they would have been fine. But instead he brought everybody with him and it ended up in a strife. And when you come to verse 8 and 9, the Bible says, And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdsmen and thy herdsmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyselves, I pray thee, from me. If thou will take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And chapter 13, verse 10 says, Lot then lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of the Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. But Denise, notice, Lot immediately lifted up his eyes. His mind was already in that direction. It didn't take him long to say, that's what I want. Because he had already been looking that direction. And guess what? Sodom and Gomorrah was very similar to where they had come from. He wanted to return to what they had been delivered from. Isn't that something? So even though he had walked in faith and he had taken all those faith steps, there was something internal inside Lot that had never really been touched and changed. He was walking in his Abraham, in his uncle Abraham's faith, but something in him was longing to return to what he had known. And in fact, verse 11 says, Then Lot chose him all the plain of the Jordan, and Lot journeyed east. Look at this. And they separated themselves one from the other. When he pulled away from Abraham and separated himself, that was his first tragic mistake. He needed to stay under the authority of his uncle, who really became like his father. He walked away from his covering and he chose something that looked better. And you know what? Maybe Lot was tired. Have you ever thought about that, Denise? Picking up stones, building altars, traveling in a caravan, going to a land where there's no food, then having to go down to Egypt where they have all kinds of troubles, and finally they get back to the land, now there's a big strife. He might have done what many people do who walk in faith. You know what? This faith walk is hard. (laughs) There is such a price attached to obeying the Lord. I am just tired. I need a break. I'm just going to take a break from this. That's what many people do in their, their faith. When they get tired, they bail. Not because they're bailing on the Lord. They just say, hey, I need a break. I, I, I just need rest. Maybe that's what Lot did. I don't know. I'm just guessing. But when you go to chapter 13, verse 12, the Bible says, Abraham dwelled in the land of Canaan and Lot in the cities of the plain And notice the statement, Denise, pitched his tent toward Sodom. Well, Canaan was the land of promise. Abraham stayed on track. But Lot pitched his tent toward Sodom. It does not say 
he barged right into Sodom and Gomorrah and lived there. He pitched his tent in that direction. And this usually is the way that sin works. People don't just barge right into sin. People who walk in faith or they've walked with the Lord, it usually begins by looking at the wrong thing, thinking about the wrong thing. And I can just imagine Denise, Lot, sitting under the flap of his tent in the plain, and he's put the flap of his tent in the direction of Sodom and Gomorrah. He's got his mind on those cities. And when he sits under the flap of the tent at night, if the breezes are just right, he can smell the smells coming from Sodom and Gomorrah. If the breezes are just right, it may even carry the sounds of Sodom and Gomorrah. And from where he was, he could see the lights of Sodom and Gomorrah. And every day, as he sat and looked at those lights and smelled those smells and heard those sounds, it was like a magnet that began to attract him more and more and more until every once in a while he moved his tent a little bit closer and moved his tent a little bit closer. Isn't this the way that sin works? You think about it, try to resist, but you just, it's like you just keep giving yourself more rope than you should give yourself. Well, we have the old statement that if you give somebody too much rope, they'll hang you. He just gave so much rope to sin, it eventually hung him. Joel? It wasn't just Lot, it was his wife also. He wasn't married yet. How do you know that? Because he got married when he went to Sodom. Really? Yep. I didn't know that. His wife was from Sodom, and that is why. Well, no wonder he wanted to move there. Well, you know, he might have been married. He might have been married by then, but we do know that his wife came from Sodom. And that's why when they left Sodom, she's the one that turned around. That was her culture. She did not want to leave what was comfortable to her. Amazing. One thing I've noticed, Mom, I know you want to say Mm -hmm. something, but in verse 14, I think it's amazing. After Lot was gone, the Lord said to Abraham, immediately after Lot left, it's like God showed up in Abraham's life again. Yeah, that's true. And he reaffirmed himself to Abraham. I think that is just amazing. It's like when Lot left, God had the opportunity again to reaffirm himself to Abraham. But think about it. If Lot had never come on that journey, it's possible that Lot would have never got into trouble he got into. Mm-hmm. Lot just came along with Abraham, wasn't supposed to. He might have been saved in a different way. God may have revealed himself to Lot, but he was never supposed to be on that journey. I tell you what, when you just do what you're told to do and you don't rationalize and add things, it's always better. Abraham messed up a lot of stuff by not being explicitly obedient to very simple instructions. I was just thinking, Rick, you know, I just released my book, Unstoppable. And Denise, that is a good book. Thank you, Rick. Hey, if you don't have that book, get that book. Um, Because God has a plan, but the enemy and our, our flesh... There's a, there's a plan working against the plan of God that's on the inside of us. And you can see that so clear here. There is a plan, a plan of righteousness, a plan of stability, a plan of blessing for Abraham, for Lot. But it, there keeps coming these things that keep them from moving forward in that direction. Mm -hmm. And we have to have a conviction to be unstoppable 
in, no, I'm not going to turn this way. I'm going to turn this way. Yep. And have that attitude, conviction, determination, being persuaded by the Word of God that this is how I'm going to go, and I'm not going this way. And Denise, there's something else too. God knew that there was a lot to change in Abraham and Sarah just by themselves. Their marriage was dysfunctional. They had a lot of hang-ups between themselves, but yet they were chosen. I think that's encouraging. Mm -hmm. It means it doesn't matter what a mess you are, you can still be chosen. But God knew that if they brought more people along with them, it was just going to make it more complex. And sometimes people can't fulfill what they're called to do because they have relationships in their life that mess them up. Sometimes you just have to weed out things so you can just focus on the Lord and He can deal with you and turn you into what you need to be. And if Abram and Sarah had come by themselves, things would have happened a lot faster. In fact, they would have gotten to the land of promise and received God's promise 20 years earlier. Abraham delayed God's plan 20 years. Somebody might say, I want to be like Abraham. He waited and waited and waited. Well, why did he wait? Was that God's intention? No. He waited because he messed things up. And he couldn't receive the promise, Isaac, until he got rid of all the things that he messed up. And then, finally, he received. So I think it's important to make sure we're not messing things up. Joel? One thing I like is through all of Abraham's mistakes, God kept his side of the deal. He did. God kept his promise. Mm -hmm. And he promised in chapter 12, verse 2, mm -hmm. I, will cause, I will cause you to become the father of a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And I will make you a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. And through all of Abraham and Sarah's mistakes, God kept his side of the deal. He blessed Abraham. And it, all this has become true. It is amazing. And in the end, Abraham's called the father of faith and Sarah's looked upon as the mother of faith. We, we call him Father Abraham. And through Jesus Christ, we are the children of Abraham. That, I mean, that is amazing. Mm -hmm. So even though they made a lot of mistakes... They obeyed God in the end, and they kind of set the example for how to hear from God and how to walk in faith. Well, Rick, I'm thinking, but it really was God who was the unstoppable one. He was. He, he was committed. Even if they were messing up, he was committed. And he's committed to, to our promises that he has made to us. Even if we've messed up along the way, his commitment, his promise to us has not changed. The book of Hebrews says that God could swear by no greater. So he swore by himself saying, in blessing, I'm going to bless you. In multiplying, I'm going to multiply you. It was the equivalent to saying, Abraham, I have chosen you. I don't care how much you're going to mess up. I have made a covenant with myself that you're the one I'm going to use. So God basically was saying, I'm just going to wait until you get it right because you're the one that I've chosen. That makes me so thankful for God's patience with us. Amen. 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 We're out of time. This has really been good. But Father, we thank you for your patience. Your mercy. We help you, Lord. Ask you, Lord, to help us hear you clearly, not add to what you say, and help us not, Lord, to add a bunch of conflicting relationships in our life that we don't need. Help us to 
let you put everything we need in us and weed everything we need to be weeded out of us mm-hmm. so we can really mm-hmm. do what you've asked us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We'll see you tomorrow. And Sister Denise, we're glad that you're back. Thanks, Rick. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed that teaching, please like, subscribe, and comment so more people can see it. 